All right. Let's panic about some pacers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, just prepare to... Uh, it'll be great. It'll be perfect. Y'all motherfuckers don't watch us play throughout the year, to tell you the truth. I'm going to be real with you, and I don't care if I get fined. That train is off the track. I feel like you, you can't just, like, jump through Neptune and be okay. Just prepare to. What the show needs is more dogs and bears and chickens and stuff. Yeah, so uh, just prepare to uh, be a watch in unbeatable goodness. Welcome, Pacers fans. You were listening to the Undebeatables, your semi-weekly Pacers podcast. This is episode 507. Coming to you from Indianapolis, Indiana, I'm your host, Joey Gafrida, the man behind the dials and season ticket holder. This show, we're going to discuss the five little points of panic the faceless abyss that is the second half of the schedule. <laughs> We're going to preview the All-Star Weekend, and of course we'll have it under Google for you. Joining me this show are all three of our analysts, coast to coast, like buttered toast. First, from the high school home of Jamison Brewer, Silver Spring, Maryland, it's the doctor, Jason Triplett. What is up, Pacers fans? What is up, Undebeatables? Uh, shout out to Merch. We made it. February is always the longest month, even though there's the fewest days. Uh, shout out to March, uh, National Women's History Month, I believe. Uh, from Indianapolis, Indiana, he's our in-house bartender mixing up the drinks in the crappy jingles, John Colson. What is up, Pacer Nation? What is up, uh, what is up gentlemen? It is Thirsty Thursday. Drink up. And from Boise, Idaho, out west, it's our enforcer, John Harper. What is going on, fellas? Uh, the news is not all terrible. The Atlanta Dream uh, were sold this week. And mm. majority stakeholder Kelly Leffler is out uh, of both Congress and the ownership group. Mm. Woohoo! To be replaced by... Uh, Larry Gottesdiener and Susan Abair, also part of that ownership group, uh, two-time WNBA champion Renee Montgomery. Nice. Mm. Shout out. The Shout people out. have spoken. That's right. And before we get into the show, we'd like to know, remind, let you know that this show is brought to you by you over at patreon.com slash undebeatables. Um, the website is a, a place for you to support us directly, become a patron for as little as a dollar a month. You can start that. Um, and we've also got a, some higher tiers with some extra uh, bonus uh, uh, benefits for that as well, including koozies. Once well, Jason, I see you're, you're utilizing right now. It looks gorgeous. Tasty to your palate. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Yeah, shout out. I forget. What is this beer? Got this beer on my trip last week. We were down in uh, Gwyn's Island, and uh, this is a, a Richmond beer. Great Return, Hardywood Great Return IPA. It is tasty in my palate. I like that name, the Great Return. 
All right. So the first segment we got for you is um, the five little points. Colson, uh, you ran you ran one of these last week, and it had been a while, and uh, we missed it. What uh, what five points you got for us today? Well, Joe, this is the uh, five little points of panic, and I wanna I wanna go ahead and say some stuff that I need to say before I panic. Um, I understand it's like a that disclaimer. It is. It's a disclaimer of my five little points of panic. I understand we're down two starters. I understand that Karis LeVert and um, T.J. Warren would help us a great deal. Um, I understand we've talked about this multiple times on the show that um, with Sabonis and Malcolm Brogdon playing so well, uh, it doesn't matter. We're just we lack that margin of error, and uh, because we're down two starters. And we've stayed competitive, and I'm proud of the team for that. I was listening to uh, Coach Nate Bjorkren um, say that, um, you know, we just have to be better than the last game. We have to continue to be, uh, continue to improve. Uh, It's better to be uh, better in the second half of the season than it is to be in the first half of the season. Um, and, And this is part of the learning process. Um, you just have to continue to improve in each area, and it'll all come together. So let me begin my five panic points by saying that I don't see <laughs> that we are improving in any areas. <laughs> uh, panic point one, uh, our offense has regressed mm. um, in uh, the first two months of the season. Um, we, I think, were only shooting from the floor below 45% uh, just a handful of times. Uh, we've done that uh, over seven times in our 12 games in February. Um, we are relying more on our three-point shot, and it's going down less. Um, I think we're moving the ball, but I do think defenses are starting to figure out some of the things that we do, and they're taking that away. Uh, one of the things that we talked about early on as a podcast is there's a lot of actions on top of actions, um, and it was such a, uh, a breath of fresh air um, based on what uh, Nate McMillan was doing. If you stop the first action, we're done. But I think, um, you know, with a little bit of watching a little bit of tape, teams are starting to take away some of that stuff. Our offense has regressed. Panic point two, our defense is regressing. I'm not real sure. I, I know that McMillan's uh, no switching is antiquated, and I know that modern NBA defenses switch, and I know that attacking the passing lanes and trying to trap is the way to go. Um, I do see the defensive effort on our team. I, um, when we lose our man and somebody's shooting a three, I still see a guy running at him. Um, but the defensive switching is becoming a real issue. I, if I have to watch Sabonis guard Steph Curry one more time, I might lose my mind. Um, and we are losing guys in this stuff, and guys are getting wide open, and there are guys dunking. And I know that switching is the modern way that you guard teams, but I don't know if we have the personnel for it. You know, we've talked a lot of times about how our two bigs can play on the same team, both Turner and Sabonis. Um, they um, offensively make sense together and defensively make sense together, except when you do all this switching. We've got a lot of big guys running, chasing small guys on the perimeter. 
the offense's goal is to make the defense do something it doesn't want to do. And right now, offenses are making us do what we don't want to do all the time, and that's putting bigs on littles, and it's ripping us apart. Uh, Little point three. Look, we are getting two starters back. We are getting Warren back, and we are getting Levert back. But I am concerned that it's going to happen too late. Little point four. One of the reasons it's too late is because on this personnel, on this team, there's not enough nasty. There aren't enough guys that are going to knock somebody's block off. There's not enough guys that are willing to get the tough rebound or take the tough foul. I think Sabonis is super tough down low, um, but we don't have a lot of um, killer instinct guys on this team, and I think it's hurting us down the stretches of games. We don't have this killer instinct. You add all those things up, panic point five, little point panic point five is that um, we are about to enter a death march. I know that we've been spoiled lately. In fact, the last time that we were three games under 500, which we're about to be, by the time you listen to this show, we're going to be three games under 500. Uh, was the start of last season. We started 0-3. After that, we were above that mark for the rest of the season. Uh, Before that, it was uh, 15-16. We started 0-3, and after that, got out of that ditch, and we were not been three games below 500 uh, this deep into the season since 14-15. If you'll recall that season, we went 38-44 and and missed the playoffs. This is why I'm panicking. I'm hitting all the buttons. That is panic point five, and we haven't even talked about March yet. Mm. That is a lot. That is a lot. <laughs> Sorry. It's, I'm, I'm panicking. I had to give you lots of things. There's a lot of reasons I'm panicking. So what I'm hearing is we're worse at offense and we're worse at defense. The people that are going to come back to save uh, we, us aren't going to come back in time. And we aren't doing uh, anything to get better. Yeah. I didn't say that. I'm just saying that I'm concerned that the coach is saying we, we are working on things that I don't see it yet. I'm not saying it's not happening. I have to live in hope as a fan that we will start figuring this stuff out. And really, maybe it is about you know, the guys coming back and filling out our roster and we haven't seen what we can be yet. But what I'm seeing right now is a team that's not going to make the playoffs. Well, it is interesting. I mean, a lot of that meets the eye test as well, right? So, you know, we gave this team a lot of leeway when the season started um, and even, you know, into the first couple months of the season saying, you know, we're down TJ Warren, we're learning a new system we'll get better at all of these things we'll be more efficient but i sort of agree that it's kind of the same level of execution as we were basically at the beginning of the season like i i don't know that i've seen us other than that memphis game where we put together uh, a level of execution on both sides of the floor that made it look like a really well-oiled machine right in every game, there are still stretches where, um, especially defensively, I would say, 
we cannot string together stops. Um, and then offensively, things are moving. It's a it's a much more fast paced, stalled out offense. Yeah, it's prettier to look at. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. But we definitely will go through dry spells. For sure. Know? And often at very in a, unfortunate times, say the last five minutes of games or something like that. That's been a big problem. Or the whole third quarter. <laughs> sure. An entire half, say, if you're playing the Nets. <laughs> um, yeah, and I mean, if you look at the numbers overall, like we're, you know, a middling team. Mm-hmm. We're 15th in the pack in points per game and 16th in offensive rating, 15th in uh, uh, points allowed per game. 11th in defensive rating i don't know how we're 11th in defensive rating that makes me question defensive rating but um (laughs) (laughs) the yeah i mean i i i think that we're just an okay team we're a mediocre team that that doesn't necessarily have an identity yet i don't know what we are what our what our um calling card is you know, last year, under Nate's teams, you could say every time that you're going to play the Pacers, it's going to be a slog, and you're going to have to work your butt off. They are going to defend the hell out of you. And they're not going to turn the ball over. close game. Right, exactly. And, you know, you better execute down the stretch to win. Against this team, I don't know. I mean, obviously, other coaches are, are – looking at the roster and saying okay Sabonis we got to stop Sabonis basically let's mm-hmm. just throw eight guys at Sabonis and that see if work. they can recover yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and the answer so far is like no we can't recover basically so yeah that's that we got to solve that problem yeah I'm with you and I was very impressed especially early in the year with how good these guys looked in a very unfamiliar looking system and then just nothing happened and I'm with you. That's disappointing and, 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 and worrying. And, you know, last week, Colson, we talked about the next couple of weeks telling us a lot about this team. And we're not off to a good start. I mean, hopefully we can really spend some time over the over the All-Star break next week. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know, shuffle the deck, put some new cards in the deck. I don't know what we're I don't know what we got to do, but there, there's certainly plenty of work to be done and i agree fundamentally that yeah of course you want to be a stronger team in the second half than the first half of course you want to get better every game uh but you gotta you gotta put it down on the court right yeah can't just say it yeah and you know i i this is a very likable team i think all these guys are playing hard i think that a lot of them are you know i think we've seen wonderful unexpected seasons from mcconnell and mcdermott you know, I think Aaron Holiday has shown flashes. Uh, flashes. Uh, Justin's kind of doing what we pay him for. Like, you know, Sabonis and Brogdon were I – mean, Sabonis is an actual all-star. Um, Brogdon was for a while in, in the running for all-star. You know, I think Miles Turner has a case – for a while had case for Defensive Player of the Year. Like, all these guys are, like, producing – but it's not adding up to anything right now. It's adding up to losses against mediocre teams. I mean, you know, 
you said we're just kind of a middling team. We're playing middling teams and we're coming out with losses. Like we're going to have to win some of these if we want to be in the conversation. And and I can look at all these guys and say, hey, look, I think you're playing well. And, and I'm with you, Harper. Like, you know, we were excited because guys were playing well and doing different things. And we're like, they didn't even have an off season. How did how did coach get them to do this stuff? But I haven't seen the evolution of any of it. Like guys are having good years, but it's not coming together, if that makes sense. Well, I mean, it's sort of uh, an inflation issue, right? We're just playing a crap ton faster. There's a lot more possessions. And across the league, that is the case. And I would argue also that the defensive intensity across the league is not what it typically is Mm -hmm. in a normal NBA season, right? Mm -hmm. These guys are playing four to five games a week every week. Uh, people are in and out with injuries constantly or COVID precautions or um, whatever. So you're, you're not getting the best defensive effort from people night in and night out. And thus teams are scoring 110 to 120 points a night. So, of course, the, num- the numbers look good. Everybody's numbers look great. Mm-hmm. That was the thing with, like, the all-star selections. It's like there were, there were uh, four or five, like – big guys that were averaging 20 plus 12 plus and five plus or whatever. Right. So that's why Sabonis didn't get selected to the officer team originally. Cause his numbers weren't comparatively that much better than Julius Randall's or outrageous enough. <laughs> right. Exactly. Because we're playing NBA 2k, right. <laughs> we're like watching a video <laughs> game this year. Hmm. Uh, and I think that, yeah, basically, the, you know, this is going to be the struggle, I think, for Nate Bjorkren going forward is like, this is definitely an entertaining and fun style of basketball that it seems the guys enjoy playing, but it all comes down to wins and losses. Like, are you winning basketball games? Like, and especially when it comes to playoff time, are you winning playoff series? And that's something I think that, again, goes back to, you know, this identity. And as a coach, you know, this is Bjorkman's first head coaching gig. And like, what is your style? Like what, how are you going to win ball games? Like night in and night out. And I don't think he's figured that out yet. And I don't necessarily expect him to have done that yet. He's coached 30, you know, as we record today, 32 games in the NBA. That's not a lot. And he's, he's obviously a brilliant basketball mind, but um, managing games and managing a team over a season is another sort of story, I guess. Right. So mm-hmm. I don't know, Joey, what do you, you know, you have thoughts on how badly uh, Colson should panic? Like, sh- should he just be in the fetal position all the time? Or? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> 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 It's the safest the, the, for you. It's the safest because <laughs> the thing is, it's like, yeah, like, you know, you mentioned like two starters are out and it's like, well, you know, I expect them back, but we have no timeline on either of them. You know, we, we I guess we did hear that Karis LaVert is participating in non-contact stuff, which is good news, but there's still no ETA. So, you know, and, and, and you know, of course, nobody, I, I don't want anybody back before they're ready. Right. Um, of course. So... You know we're 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 dealing with what we got. We're, you know we're doing dealing the best we can with what we got. Um, but yeah, I mean I think yeah I think 
I think you guys I think you guys are right where it's like we we don't really have an identity and there's because like two of our best players aren't on the floor and you can't really have a you know we're too new of a well, it's not like we're a dynasty or, or a team that's been around for several years like this group that has you know you know forged an identity and we're just you know it's not the next you know sort of next man up but like it's not like everyone knows exactly what we're going to be doing like we just changed coaches like you know these things aren't set in stone like everyone's trying to figure out the way we're we're, we're going to do this and and to find out what's going to be successful like 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 you said Jason like the you know, numbers are up and that's great but you know we're winning okay but you know i think the pacers as an organization of sort of uh you know they keep wanting to move away from the, like the sort of slow plotting uh style um and it, we haven't we've just not run a successful version of like the you know run, like the run and gun like mm-hmm. you know tons and tons of possessions like we've not been really successful doing that yet so it, i'm not saying they can't get there but 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 Colson, i'm saying the short answer is i don't know when they're going to be great um so just you know deal with it the best way you can well no i mean you bring up an interesting point joey i think it was the 14 15 season where you know larry bird was like i'm just tired of this style i want to go i want to play faster i want to play smaller you know um and we you know we got rid of hibbert and we you know we're going small (laughs) he was staring at hibbert while he (laughs) (laughs) bring in monte ellis and let's see what happens you know and and um you know, we, we had a lot of mediocre years uh, before uh, Paul George left um, because, yeah, we haven't been really good at running smaller and faster. There are people that do it better than we do. Um, and, and, and I remember the struggles of those years. I think maybe the, the season after that, 15-16, was we need to get back to our defensive identity. You know, this is how we're going to win games. You know, we were always turning a corner, but it was usually about we're not going to outscore the other team. Let's Let's play some defense. I wonder if this team will get to a similar place or whether this is, we're just in a new era where maybe these guys will come back and we'll figure out how to outscore some people. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, the problem with this season is it's not going to get um, any, you just got to figure this out on the fly. Right. And the schedule makers have not done us a favor. Um, so the NBA released the second half schedule. Uh, I didn't, I didn't do the full in-depth, you know, quantitative analysis. I just looked at the first um, seven games and said, "What the f? <laughs> what happened to us?" <laughs> so, so to get to your death death march, you know, panic point number five, I think, right? Yep. Um, panic point number five. <laughs> uh, this week, to the beginning of March, we we will have played Philadelphia and Wednesday or uh, Philadelphia and Cleveland by the time this comes out, uh, and playing Denver Thursday night before the All Star break, and then we start up the second half of the season. Six of our first seven games on the road. And these aren't games against, like, Minnesota and Washington. Uh, this is open up with a back-to-back at L.A., at Phoenix. Take a day off to adjust to climate, or, sorry, altitude, and play Denver uh, in Denver. Come home, you think, oh, let's go, come sure, home. Sure, let's get a break reset the, reset the clock. We play the Nets, who have won eight of... Uh, 10 right now and have uh three mvp candidates uh then we go back on the road for a a double a back-to-back 
<laughs> I guess it's not back to back. It's it's a Friday Sunday at the Heat, who you know roast us basically every time we play them, and then um, that's the mean do part, an actual back to back because we could have done a back to back in Miami and right. they got no. a day off. But no, no. No, 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 no. I will say after that this, the 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 rest of the schedule for in large part obviously there's tough teams in there, but it's much more balanced. Uh, both home and road, and, and so so after team. after the Miami back to back with uh, Milwaukee on the road, right? Yeah, after those first seven games, <laughs> I would argue that the okay, yeah, this is going to be rough. But yeah, <laughs> the rest of March is okay, right? I mean, we play the Heat again, blah blah blah, and then it's actually like not so bad of a schedule. There's obviously back to backs in there. It's a weird season, and the, I don't think there's any four and five nights that I scanned, and it's relatively. Normal until the last four games of the season. I, I thought the the Clippers, Rockets, Jazz, the the uh, that that little three game in in uh, four night stretch looked pretty bad to me. Which one is that? Uh, oh, Clippers, Clippers, Rockets, Rockets Jazz. Jazz. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's li- there's little blips like that, but yeah. it's nothing. And then we play like um, uh, we have a homestand against the Blazers and the Nets. That's going to be tough. Um, and then, the, but the, the what end? really intimidated me was the last four games of the season, right? Because I have a feeling that we're going to be bunched up in this. There's going to be a group of teams fighting for positions 5 through 10, I think, mm-hmm. yep. in the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. And it's going to come down to the last week or so of the season. And we close the season out. Luckily, most of it is at home, but it's against tough competition. Home against the Sixers, the Bucks, the Lakers, and then a finish on the road at Toronto. Or at, at Tampa. At Toronto. Tampa. At, Tampa. <laughs> at Toronto in Tampa. Slash Toronto. <laughs> oh, God, exactly. that is brutal. All of that's brutal. Like, you, you mentioned that there's in between where it's kind of like a normal season, but, like, do we get through – uh, March. I mean, I'm, I'm. I just. I went through the schedule, and I. <laughs> I don't know if we get through March. I don't know I don't if we get through March because we don't have. We we are not getting. We're probably not getting Karis and and Warren back before then, right? I mean, we don't know because it's all indeterminate. But, um, there's no Calvary Karras coming. Karis is closer than you think. I think. Okay, you think he might come back after the All Star break? Maybe I mean, a week after that, I would guess. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, he's he I apparently mean, did all of the non-contact drills. Yeah, I heard he was going to be doing contact stuff starting like this week, um, and just timeline wise, it's been already more than a month since his surgery. Like, yeah. So. Well, I'm just yeah. saying that I did the the numbers, um, and I I tried to be real generous, um, and I got us somewhere between 17 and 20 wins for the remainder of the season. <laughs> Which puts us at thirty-two to thirty-five wins. At best, thirty-five. <laughs> yes. Um, which puts us at uh, what thirty-five and thirty-seven. I think that's mm-hmm. probably good enough to get us in the the ninth or tenth seed potentially um, for well, a play-in game. It'll yeah. I mean, we're definitely play-in territory. Sure. Okay. Okay. I think that's where we're looking now. You know, when we started the season, I was like, oh, we're going to be definitely out of that. 
that danger zone of the seventh, eighth seed. We're going to be in the top six for sure. And now I'm just praying that we get to the tenth seed. That's where I'm at right now. I mean, you take on a new coach and you trade your best player, yeah, and then yeah, yeah. everybody's injured. And it's COVID, like, and there's no there's no home fans, and we know we have the best home fans in the you know in the world because we have the best uh, home game winning streak in the history of the NBA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it. But I'm still allowed to hit that panic button. Oh, a hundred percent you are. A hundred percent you are. Now. In better news, I will say that Sportline's projections, which CBS standings will will give to you, actually have Indiana with a 73% chance to make the playoffs. The actual playoffs or the play-in? I'm assuming that their projection is post-play-in. Okay. More or less, right? right? Okay. Yeah, probably. So, top eight. Actually, I, I think... Well, I don't know. It says post-season, so I don't know. I, we'll have to dig into the metrics on that. <laughs> But, I mean, it could be worse, <laughs> right? I mean, New York's got, like, barely a 50% chance, right? And they're currently mm-hmm. sitting there on the five seat, right? Right. Um, Chicago's ahead of us right now. I mean, I, did, I was hoping that we wouldn't be 32 games in the season and tied with Charlotte. Like, that was not something that I had circled for us for this year. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and uh, you know, uh, you're saying, uh, Jason, you're saying Washington's coming for us, that they're just they're, they're playing out of their gourds right now? I mean, they're playing. They're playing decent ball. Seven right now. to three out of their last ten is like magically good for the Wizards. Yeah. I mean, I haven't. I haven't like been following them closely, so I don't know if they're just playing an easy. It's an easy patch in their schedule. I have no idea. But they beat some teams, you know. Yeah. Uh, including the Lakers, like, right? Yeah, they yeah. beat Denver the other night. Yeah. Like, they're just, yeah. It's not like they're just mopping up on you know the. Minnesota's and uh, who else is worse than the Wizards? Who Nobody. Else is worse? Yeah, exactly. I was going to say the <laughs> mopping up with the people that are ahead of them is what they've got to do. <laughs> <laughs> the Cleveland's Cleveland fell off a cliff. Uh, yeah, but Atlanta's below us, and they're tough, right? Right. Be a tough out for somebody potentially. Oh, and man. you know, Orlando has an All Star, so. So they're always lurking. They're always a threat. They're dangerous. <laughs> oh. Shout out Vooch. <laughs> Anti shout out Vooch. But hey, you know, like, um, I think that playing, you know, our theory has always been we want a, a, a culture of winning where mm-hmm. we, we try to win every basketball game. And I think we also believe that you know, playing tougher competition makes you a better basketball team, right? And so we're going to yeah. play we're gonna the be best team. Really the good. Like, <laughs> we're going to get so really good. We also have always. We hoped- may lose those games, but we're going to know what it takes to play at that yeah. level, right? Yeah. Like we're going to see it firsthand. So. And we've always hoped that we get better as the season progresses, and we have a lot of room for improvement. So there's that. I've never had to say this about an Indiana team before, but hopefully we'll play less zone as the season progresses. Mm. Mm. Do yeah. not enjoy zone. Yeah. Especially not against a Brad Steven coach team. Like, come on. They're just too well coached for that. No. Like, they threw that 2-3 zone out, and every player on Boston was like, mm. sweet. <laughs> <We're> going <laughs> to eat. <laughs> Got a little bonus in my paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> Balloon. <laughs> 
All right. So uh, I'll take a quick break, and we'll come back in the second half. Um, we've got the stat of the week. Uh, talk a little bit about the All-Star game and maybe an undercookable. Back from the break, first thing uh, now I want to get to see was my stat of the week. Joey, stat of the week! And I think I've talked once before about the mail trucks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Joey, if I recall, it, last time you talked about them, they were, they were spontaneously combusting. That is true. <laughs> that is true. And they haven't, they haven't quite, quote, found the cause of those. But, um <laughs> What they're doing is is they're moving forward and saying, you know, if you're if you're currently driving one of those things, uh, just wait till 2023, and <laughs> oh, they'll God. have they'll start replacing uh, the LLV, the long life vehicle, with this the new uh, NGDV next generation delivery vehicle, um, which uh, I sent you guys the picture ahead of time because I wanted you to see it. That it is affectionately known as Duckface. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Because it looks like uh, a Disney character to me. It looks like something from Cars. I like Duck, though. It it could be like a Donald Duck, you know, Mm -hmm. big eyes and a bill. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, I I definitely saw the memes going around earlier that uh, Pixar had designed the new movie. Yeah. For sure. So, um,. I mean, yeah, so it's a very low hood, and it's much, much bigger um, front window, which is, you know, going to help for uh, visibility, which is great. Um, but there's also some other things that um, this is going to have. Um, so this is dropping uh, in 2023. Um, and here's some um, 
the LLVs did not have uh, things like front airbags. Um, mm. uh, no backup cameras. They didn't have those. Uh, intermittent wipers is a thing they didn't have. Blind spot warning systems. They didn't have seatbelt reminders, apparently, or anti-lock brakes. Um, the new mm. one's going to have all of those things and more. And yeah, these posh mail carriers are going to have <laughs> air conditioning now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, they're going to have um, the back area, the the cargo area. Apparently, it's going to be it's going to be a little bit bigger, so you can actually stand you can actually stand up inside it. Um, Welcome the, to the they, socialist dystopia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, Wait, we'll when have you're going to get packages, breaks. you don't have to just hunch over the entire time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At 110 <laughs> degree heat. Right. Uh, and it will have an airbag. Is uh, big step forward. So this is moving to the future. There, uh, there's going to be uh, it's a fifty to one hundred sixty-five thousand of these that will be built over ten years, and um, by the Oshkosh Defense Company, um, and ten ten <laughs> percent of them will be uh, electric, I guess. So um, only ten percent. Yeah. Uh, is Oshkosh? Let's say there's no way it's rate related to Oshkosh Bagash, right? I mean, maybe it's like if, uh, if if the Oshkosh Bagash's parent company was a defense contractor. <laughs> my whole youth is just you know you know what's yeah, nice about the, 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 the you can just snap the window off by taking off the buttons. <laughs> <laughs> it's a convertible. It's a convertible <laughs> that's too. Right, it's amazing. That's right. I I am concerned that the window is so low that uh, mail carriers can't shame eat anymore with the food in their lap. They can't have, like, the McDonald's in their, mm. you know, because you could just see straight into to the window. Well, they could, they can just go hide in the back now. They go, go, they could stand up in the back and eat their McDonald's. Yeah, <laughs> okay. exactly. <laughs> they can shame eat there. So, uh, so if you, you see a newly designed... Um, vehicle in, in the near future. That's what this is. Um, you and, will and give a shout know out to it Duck when Face. you see it. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll know Duckface when you, you see it. You will wonder if you were still in reality or if you've transitioned into some sort of cartoon world. Yep. Yep. God, God help you if you're on acid or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, so the the next thing is the the All Star Weekend, which is uh, an abbreviated uh, schedule. Starts happening this weekend. Um, they're going to do everything in a single day. Uh, they said it couldn't be done, but uh, <laughs> it's, it is going to happen. Um, so really, what they're doing is just packing everything in. Um, at five o'clock, March seventh, uh, on Sunday. Um, the coverage starts on TNT, and uh, luckily everything was just brought to Atlanta, so the uh, TNT crew doesn't have to go too far. Um, 6.30, the Taco Bell Skills Challenge starts, um, and after that, the MTN Do three-point contest uh, <laughs> will be after that. Uh, the All-Star Game is at 8 o'clock, and the AT&T Slam Dunk Contest is at the halftime of the All-Star Game. I'm assuming that there's no uh, nobody doing both. but uh, Oh, I wouldn't assume I that at all. 
I mean, I, I might be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I mean, I, I figure the less people there, the better, right? So, like... Yeah, but the, but it doesn't matter at this point. Like, yeah. they're, they're already doing it. Good call. Like, I just, I mean, I, I just thought, you know, Zach Levine shooting in a three-point contest and the dunk contest and playing in the game would be awesome. Put Sabonis in the skills challenge. Like, what? who cares, right? Like, it'll be fine. Right. Maybe this would be the one chance for LeBron to be in the dunk contest. Finally He's probably get a not dunk doing contest that. win. He's probably not doing that, but. Yep. <laughs> You guys still think this this goes off? Like, there's going to be no boycott or nothing like that? I mean, at oh, this point, we're, what, yeah, three days away? I figure. Well, by the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I, think, I think LeBron carries a lot of sway, you know? And when he said, hey, look, uh, I feel like this is a slap in the face. I won't uh, emotionally be there, but I'll be there. Like, I think everybody's going to follow his lead. Like, I think they'll be there. I think they'll show up and, uh, you know, they'll it'll be a, yeah, exactly. And it'll be what it is. Um, I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of money involved in this stuff and that speaks volumes for the league. And yeah, they maybe should have, I, I would have preferred them to just name the all-stars and give everybody a week off, but, um, they don't let me run this thing. So. Nope. I'm I'm bad with money. That's why I think that's the only reason <laughs> I don't run this thing. Probably. That's it. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Wait, you're be- why did we make you our official accountant then? <laughs> what? Well, you'll notice how much money this this podcast has made <laughs> over the last eight years. <laughs> So anyway, that's uh, that is the schedule. So it's just a one day and done um, events, and then uh, the season, yeah, second half of the season will pick up after that. And uh, and and check it out for some bonus, right? Like we're, uh, yeah. you know, I know that he was a late addition uh, because of um, injury, but I, I it still counts. It still goes on his resume. He's a two time All Star, um, you know. Look for him to set some mean screens and do a couple of dribble handoffs, you know? Get get two points and probably shoot four three-pointers and hit one. That's what I'm looking for. I'm thinking That's his amazing. stat line's going to be five points, two assists, and, uh, you know, f- six rebounds. That's my that's, – that's, I'm going to go ahead and bank that now. If I'm right, you guys all owe me a Coke. Hmm. Are they doing that like n- new sc- scoring? Uh, yes, yes, they are going like to no do clock. the yeah. Elam ending, the Elam ending okay. which is so cool. Um, it worked really well last uh, game. It was delightful, right? Um, so we'll stick with it. Yeah, we'll see if it works this year when guys' hearts maybe are not so much in it. Yeah, yeah. fair enough. Last thing we got for you is an undergoogleable. Colson, um, you guys, I was really impressed with the two man undergoogleable last week. I don't know if that's ever been attempted, uh, let alone successfully landed. Uh, well done there. Um, if we double, if we double the workforce, can we uh, double the fun? Uh, I hope so. 
Uh, let's see what we can do. This one's been bothering me for a while. Cravat versus an ascot. <laughs> it's been keeping you open, I'd say. It has. Mm. I, I, I don't know the difference. They both seem to be scarves around the neck. Um, can you guys tell me the difference between a cravat versus an ascot? <laughs> Joey just yawned. <laughs> Joey just yawned. <laughs> I, well, an ascot also, I know, can be a hat. Um, what? It's a type of it's like a yeah, it's a it's a type of hat as well. But I think more more famously as uh the the scarf. So is it a scarf hat or is it No, no, no. It's just another an unrelated it's a type item of hat. also called an ascot? Yes. That seems like maybe you're mispronouncing something. I don't <laughs> I don't I don't believe so. Uh uh, Are you thinking of an ass hat? Is that what you're thinking of? <laughs> <laughs> no. So, what, so, do you think that that they're the same like material, or do you think that do you have any idea like difference in like material, or is it the way it's folded or tied, or do right. you have any the, idea? Exactly. This is this is the question. So you've got nothing so, to go. So, on like here. when you think about. Um, an ascot, right? You think about the, the, the super... Maybe it's got a pin in it. Maybe, like, the super rich gentleman, he's got sort of a, a little scarf with a pin in it and, and, and maybe wear a robe. Maybe it's more of, like, a... Uh, maybe it's his post-dinner it's attire. His ev- it's his evening, evening cravat. Evening wear, yeah, smoking, exactly. Smoking his Smoking ascot. cravat, perhaps. His smoking ass hat. <laughs> <laughs> Which I would love to name the show that, but I don't think I can. <laughs> um, and then the cravat, I, I feel like is is similar, but maybe maybe more worn during the day. More more formal. Uh, yes, perhaps. Um, I feel like I mean I I have no idea honestly, but my guess is that one is classed and one is not. Mm. Okay. I was okay. thinking one was folded, um, mm. and one was poofed out, or something. Like, is a cravat like what the Boy Scouts wear, where it's like I think a that's scarf just, around the shoulders, yeah. and then there's like a clasp thing in the front. Or that's yeah, I don't just think a, that's called a cravat. I think that's called like a Boy Scout scarf. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's that's not called that. But it, uh, yeah, I don't think it's a cravat. No, I think I think a cravat is. I, I I think they're different things. I don't think they're both silk bandanas. I think they're, you know, I think they actually come in different things. But I don't exactly know what that is. I think they're both silk. Are they both silk? I for some reason I thought cravats were more cottony. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know that there was a, a, a fabric associated with either. Oh well, I, I'm, I could just be I just just making stuff up. And so, so are they both flat sheets of fabric that are then um, folded in different folded ways, folded in specific ways, or whatever, or just bunched around the neck, or is one like a, a circular mm. piece of fabric? Like a like a buff, like a like a dicky, like the original buff, <laughs> like a dicky, like a like a like a like a 
a bow tie uh, that's, you know. Right. Okay, so one's like a bow tie and one's like a bandana. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, does one have like a like a, a latch around the back and the other one is like a full piece of cloth? Maybe that's the difference. I feel like anyone who is going to wear one of these things is not going to have a clasp. I feel like they're very into tying things if they're that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Like tying your bow tie basically. Mm. Like and they would be they would be probably worn by like the gentry or whatever originally who would have had some dude dressing them. Do it for them or whatever and mm. do it for them. So it would be like very you know, complicated or could be more complicated. Well, okay, and so this this goes to another uh, conversation not only the uh, the difference of them in fashion but uh, time wise do these things come around the same time um, do, is one way older than the other um, not that we know the difference between them <laughs> as of now <laughs> so it doesn't really help us I don't but know why could... either of them exist <laughs> right um, I uh, mean are, yeah do they even are, are they are they uh, are they practical at all? Are they in any sense like did they keep you warm, or is this is this just for looking looking rich? No, I think I think if you were like when I'm thinking of the ascot and the evening wear, like I think it would keep your neck warm, you know. Um, a cravat it feels more like a tie to me that you'd wear out to dinner. I, again, I'm just making the it could be the opposite. I don't know. I don't really know the difference. <laughs> it could be I'm talking about one and the other. I feel um, like you've got like a closet full of cravats. You just, <laughs> yeah, like wait, my guess is that maybe they originated for like um, when fancy pants people did leisurely activities, right? Mm. Like a, a uh, you know, whatever. I, I'm picturing a lot of Downton Abbey right now as I'm sort of yeah, taking this, sure. but it's like, all right, we're gonna go for a fox hunt. And it's like I got to wear my fox hunting outfit, but. I'm not going to be caught out without some sort of tie or whatever, but I can't have a, like a regular, you know, choking tie on. I want something else. So I'm going to invent the ascot to like put around my neck. Yeah. That may also keep me warm, but it's more so like, so that I don't look like a, you know, very uncouth while I'm out there, like a plebeian chasing down foxes or whatever. Yeah. Right. Because only the, the because the wealthy need to show that they can afford that extra piece of fabric around their neck, where the poor just go without. Yeah, I think it's just more utilitarian. Like some dude, typically they would have worn a tie, and you know some eccentric gentryman was like, "I'm not going to wear a tie. I'm going to wear this piece of fabric around my neck." Yeah. After know. somebody's tie flew off, got caught in a tree, and hung the guy on a fire. Right, house, exactly. They were like, yeah, this is something a terrible like that. idea. That is like, definitely yeah, exactly. Yeah, where that came from. Now, so what's the era of the uh, fox hunt? I mean, that goes back to what, probably mm, late Middle Ages, something like that. I would guess. Probably. I don't know. Doing like fifteen, sixteen hundreds with the fox hunt. Probably. I mean, I'm sure that, like, no noblemen were probably doing fox hunts and stuff like that. Like, okay. 
maybe even earlier. I have no idea, but okay. Certainly by yeah, certainly by fifteen sixteen hundred, I would think. All right, and and are we thinking that th- that they both came around and then? Or are we thinking they're completely different things? I don't. It, it also seems Victorian era ish to me, like when styles styles mm. started to become a thing. Okay. Right? Okay. That 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 yeah, that definitely tracks for sure. So maybe let's let's give the ascot the fox hunts in like fifteen hundreds, and then let's give the cravat the the uh, you know Victorian England, or vice All versa. Right. Sounds good to me. Or vice versa. Now, also, uh, does it matter what you're, you're saying? We, we're saying we don't care about the fabric. That probably doesn't matter. That's not an issue. It's, they're probably all silk. It's about how they're hemmed. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I thought cravats were like a heavier gauge of Yeah, yeah, fabric, yeah. Let's go cravat is like a heavier gauge of fabric and that the, the ascot is a silky, puffy thing with a pin. That's what I'm going. Well, is everybody okay with this? And then we're gonna get. Let's give the uh, the cravat the uh, the ascot will be in Victorian England, and the cravat will be the fox hunters. Okay. Typically, an ascot tends to be viewed as an informal tie that is worn under a shirt or jacket. Uh, the British refer to this as the day cravat. And cravat is basically the French word for tie. This is according to croomandflood.com, which I'm guessing is some sort of fashion. <laughs> They're ascot specialists. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but, 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 but. A cravat is a catch-all term for neckwear or a ruche. Um, so that, that that's helpful to me. A ruche? Don't know. Mm. Oh, okay. So this says uh, the cravat is the forerunner of the modern tailored necktie. Um, And it was, let's see, it looks like from the end of the 16th century. According to these guys, it's the difference is where the tie sits around the neck. Is it over the short shirt? Uh, It's probably more a formal cravat worn with morning dress. Does it sit under the shirt? It's probably what we call an ascot. Oh, we killed that then. We talked about day and night with the ascot. But what the hell is an ascot? The terms come, and this will be according to the coolest. Um, Yeah, that's what I'm looking at too. The term comes from Croatian mercenaries who operated with France during the Thirty Years' War. They wore distinguishing neck gear, which was originally named Croate. The French term for Croatian. Somewhere along the line, the word was bastardized into cravat. Though all manner of neck decoration was popular prior to the 1600s, through some linguistic turn of fate, this became popular. Cravat refers to anything worn around the neck. Yes, all ascots are cravats, but not, but not. all cravats are ascots. Wow. Scarves are cravats. Yes. Um, so this came and, from Croatian and, and, mercenaries. And ascot is closer to a scarf than a necktie, but similar uh, that it's broad and ends in hanging from a knot. 
is what I've got here. <laughs> As with many interesting fashions, the ascot harkens back to horse racing. God what? Bless it. Specifically, the name refers to the Royal Ascot, which is England's Kentucky Derby, where attendees are expected to dress in mourning formal fashion. The original ascots were bundles of silk knotted twice and held by a pin. That's interesting. There's like a specific race has a specific fashion. And it's weird that the Croats were so fashionable going to war. Mm-hmm. A lot of the pictures I've seen were military uniforms. Yeah. What what year are we getting on the cravat then? Did you guys have that? Uh, uh, there's an article in the Washington Post called The Twisted History of Neckties. They say um, they put their origins uh, in the mid-17th century. The strips of cloth that became known as cravats have been uh, multiplied into amazing variety. French fashion in the 17th century adopted from Croatian mercenaries. It's probably the same mm-hmm. thing you guys were saying. So. Yep. Yeah. And it wasn't from the coolest, so maybe they got it from there. But. <laughs> All right. I feel like we were pretty on that. I think we kind of got it. I didn't realize that neckties were everything is cravats, essentially. Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah. It's interesting. There you go. The more you now know. you know. All right, team, uh, if there's anything else this week, let me know now or forever hold your peace, I think. Is that the, was that the term? Something like that. Something like that. I think the term um, you're looking for is smoking asshat. <laughs> <laughs> that so means we got to get going. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Cut his mic. Um... Until Monday, you can find us on social media. Uh, we are on Twitter at Undebeatables. We're on Facebook.com slash The Undebeatables. Um, our, web, our website is TheUndebeatables.com. There's a contact form there. And if you want to send some complaints about dirty language from <laughs> one of the hosts, send it to shout out at TheUndebeatables.com. Uh, and we got t shirts for sale. On the website slash store. For the architect Donnie Walsh and our once and always coach Bobby Sick Leonard, now in the Hall of Fame. Turn out the lights. The party is over. Thank you very much. <laughs> just going for a record on total time there he had bet the over in uh vegas that's right that's right i had to pause for the the planes to fly over oh as they do in the the, super bowl uh, yeah like the f-16s or whatever Yeah, yeah yeah they probably were already on their way to bomb syria or something so Is that too soon? It's too soon. Uh, Well, that that's definitely an ascot cap there. Yeah, that's what I said. Oh, oh, really? You've got an ascot cap? Yeah. 
or a cuffly cap or Lippincott cap. I mean, I always just called them Lippincott caps. I didn't know <laughs> they were also known as ascot caps. Right. Also, Joe, That's why did thing. you know about an ascot cap? Because I have some and I like those. Oh, but that's isn't that a derby hat? Uh, no. I mean, derby all hats are derby about. hats. <laughs> Not all derby hats. So I, I I wear that. I wear that kind of hat. I have a hat like that. Yeah. No, the der- yeah the derby I think um, is a bowler hat. Hmm. Which is like there's a there's a brim all the way around. Okay. Yeah, so did you did originally they just put a scarf on your head? <laughs> That's oh how it started, God. yeah. Like the old Russian women would uh <laughs> took ascots and put them around their head and they said, Hey got an idea. <laughs> nice work. Oh no. I'm on the Wikipedia page for caps now and there are so many good ones. The beanie. The beanie. The propeller beanie. Yeah. It took. Did anybody look up uh, Ascot on uh, Urban Dictionary? Urban Dictionary? No. Joey's on it now, though, I'm sure. Uh. Oh boy, Royal Ascot is not meant for the air. <laughs> can you tell me at least? <laughs> I can cut this out because we're done. A, a Royal Ascot is a sexual position slash experimentation involving a hooker or any other sexual partner and a horse. Oh. The, the method is having a horse sit on one's chest to affect auto asphyxiation while being given a hand job. I know that was your guys' guess, but uh... <laughs> how often does this hat come up? Is all I want to know. <laughs> this is making the pod, by the way. This is amazing. <laughs> God no. <laughs> <laughs>
I don't think I'm going to post the stuff about how uh, yum yum sauce is for dumb white people. I think I'm going to probably take that out. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe I won't take this part out. Maybe this is, yeah. It's podcast gold, Joey. May have found an audience we haven't alienated yet, so go nuts. Apparently there's no other element. Anything is podcast gold. There's no silver. There's no titanium. (laughs) No platinum. No platinum. There's no malignum. Podcast platinum.